Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I wanted to dig in on this topic a little bit about skipping breakfast. Um, I was in the airport recently, as I've shared with y'all, you know, several weeks ago, I was trying to make it to Nantucket to get to Jesus camp, didn't work out. And so I spent a significant amount of time in the airport. <laughs> and um, while I was waiting to catch my plane to come back home, I was just burning some time. I was working on my computer um, in this little restaurant and um, sitting at like a kind of like a bar, you know, um, area. And these guys next to me struck up a conversation with me. And we were talking about all kinds of stuff. We started about talking about perspective um, because I'd explained what happened, you know, what had happened. I wasn't going to make it to Jesus camp. I had to turn right around and fly back home. And they were like, oh, man, that's such a bummer. And I was saying, you know, it's okay, really. It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, so, you know, it's all good. It's all about perspective. And then they were chiming in. They're like, oh, man, yeah, talk about perspective. We just spent the last 10 days in India, and we're so happy to be eating this hamburger and watching football and, um, and just so grateful for everything that we have. You know, visiting there will really give you some perspective. So we were having this long conversation. And then um, as I was packing up to leave, it came up that I was a nutritionist. Um, it might have been my platter of vegetables and cauliflower hummus I was eating. That would have, <laughs> like, why are you eating that when they're having hamburgers? Um, but anyway, so it came up, I was a nutritionist. And yeah, by the way, I found that, and that was airport food. Like this platter of beautiful, fresh, raw vegetables um, and cauliflower hummus. And one of the vegetables, one of them was a watermelon radish, which I had never seen in person. So beautiful. And I had to ask the airport guy what it was. And he told me. So I learned something new and had a new, um, had a new eating experience there at the airport. But anyway, when the guy found out, one of the guys found out I was a nutritionist, he was like, oh, oh, can I ask you two questions? Because I was packing up. I'm like, yeah, I got to, you know, got to get going. He's, I'm like, yeah, sure, what? And he said, okay, what do you think about intermittent fasting? And isn't it bad to skip breakfast? I thought breakfast was the most important meal of the day. Well, y'all, I mean, hell, could he have just dove into my wheelhouse anymore? I'm like, he just threw me the biggest softball. I was like rubbing my hands together like a kid in a candy store. Like, ooh, I can't wait to talk about this. And so I launched in and just started talking all about it. So much so that I almost missed my plane. I like ran to the gate and everybody was boarded. I was the last one. Oh, holy moly. That would have, now that would have really been a bummer had I missed my plane to get back home. Um, but I didn't. But you know what that made me think is those two questions that he had. You know, sometimes I take for granted that 
everybody's on this intermittent fasting, you know, train, and um, we all know the perks of it and, um, you know, understand, um, you know, this idea about breakfast and all that kind of thing. But that's not true. You know, that was his first question. And so it is still, it's a very hot topic out there. And so I wanted to dig into it because, um, you know, we hear that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It's been drilled into our head for years. And so maybe you feel a little bit, um, you know, confused or just a little unsure of how, how it, how can intermittent fasting and skipping breakfast and all that work together and be good for you. So, um, so that's what I want to talk about today. And I think what we have to do first is tackle the assumption that intermittent fasting means that you skip breakfast, but y'all, nobody skips breakfast. Okay. The word breakfast comes from the two words break fast. Okay. When we're sleeping, we're fasting, you know, which means we're not eating. And so when we have our first meal the next day is when we break the fast. So the origin of the word breakfast is really, it's alluding to time and not food. Okay, so whatever your first meal of the day is, regardless of the time, is actually your breakfast. You are breaking the fast. Now, you might think, oh, that's kind of splitting hairs, isn't it? But I think it's understand to, important to understand that context of the word. Um, I'm such a word nerd, too. I love, you know, origins of words. But it's important to kind of consider the concept of breakfast as time and not necessarily just food, okay? But I think when we're talking about this, the more accurate question to ask is, is it bad to delay breakfast? Because what we've heard is that it's important to eat breakfast within an hour of, you know, an hour or so of waking in order to quote unquote, fire up the metabolism. We've also heard that people who eat breakfast are more successful in losing and maintaining weight. And we've heard that, you know, in order to have enough energy, you've got to get up and eat breakfast. And so you can concentrate and you can focus. Okay. But here's the thing. When you wake up, your metabolism is already on fire. If, and this is a big if, if you are metabolically flexible, that is the key. So being metabolically flexible means that you can easily burn both sugar and fat for energy. Okay, those are two sources of fuel. That's what our body uses for fuel, sugar and fat. Okay, this is how God designed us to be metabolically flexible. So what happens is, you know, during the night while you're sleeping and while you're fasting, your body is using its stored energy, the food that you ate throughout the day as fuel to get you through the night because you know, you're still breathing and there's all kind of detoxing and all kinds of things going on while you're sleeping. So your body still needs energy for that. So it is using what you have stored up from the day. And the way that your body works is that it always burns through your stored sugar first. Okay. And I'm saying sugar, it's really glucose, glycogen, but I just like to say, I can be real technical, but I just like to say sugar just to make it really easy and clear what I'm talking about here. Okay. So your body will burn through your sugar first 
and then ideally it will switch over into fat burning mode. And metabolically flexible people can do this, okay? But sadly, there are a whole lot of people who are not metabolically flexible. They are stuck in sugar burning mode, which is detrimental to health and to weight. It's very common among people who eat what we call a SAD diet, which stands for Standard American Diet. You know, that's full of processed food, fast food, and just this overload of carbohydrates. They are perpetually stuck in sugar burning mode and can't efficiently switch over to burning fat for energy. So when they run out of sugar to burn during the night, so when they're sleeping and their body's using their stored energy and um, it's, you know, coming to an end of being able to use the sugar and it can't burn fat, you know, it doesn't have both sources of energy to rely on because it can't tap into those fat stores. When they wake up and they have run mo through most of their sugar storage and they can't burn fat, well, they have a real energy crisis on their hands when they wake up. Their body's like, I need energy immediately, okay? And so they are going to feel that need to eat right away. And if they don't, they, you know, they will feel shaky, cranky, tired, just, you know, what we think of as hangry. And y'all, this totally used to be me. Um, before I really understood all this and before I got into the health space, I was not at all metabolically flexible. Um, and I can remember um, just, I can remember several times being with this one particular friend of mine. So um, my husband, one of my husband's very closest friends and his wife live in Colorado and we have gotten together, we've been friends, you know, they've been friends forever, but then I've been friends with his wife for many, many years, even before we were married. And we used to always get together at least once or twice a year, and usually we'd be visiting them. And, um, and so she and I would always, you know, want to go walk in the morning together, you know, get some exercise. And I remember being um, way back when, um, when I was not metabolically flexible, I mean, I can remember her popping up, we'd, you know, we'd get up like, okay, you ready to go? And I'm like, wait, what about breakfast? <laughs> In my head, but I'm thinking, well, she's not eating breakfast. And, you know, you kind of go with the flow of your host. And um, also, she um, was not somebody that really ever ate breakfast or much of a lunch. She was always a big dinner eater, um, you know, ate a really big dinner. And um, so at that time, I didn't really understand, you know, what she was doing, but she was real tiny, petite, tons of energy and all that. But um, that was not me. I needed to eat breakfast like the second I rolled out of bed. But we, I would say, oh, it's all good, you know, and I'd go walking with her and I'd be like pouring sweat and shaking and like, like feel like I'll feel nauseous, feel like, you know, I almost like I could pass out. I remember several times doing that just you know feeling horrible because I went walking you know before I ate and it's just so funny to me now because now I I never eat before I exercise <laughs> it's just so funny but also at the time I could remember thinking um you know looking at my friend who was super healthy great weight so much energy so fun and just such a spark you know 
and I remember thinking, it's just so unhealthy that she doesn't eat breakfast. I can't believe she doesn't eat breakfast and she doesn't really eat lunch. I mean, she's starving herself. She doesn't eat, uh, you know, but here she was just, you know, the picture of health. And here I am like sweating and about to pass out. But, you know, I'm the one that eats breakfast first thing in the morning. So, you know, oh, the irony. Um, so <laughs> I was definitely was one of the people that needed to eat first thing in the morning. I was not metabolically flexible. Now, metabolically flexible people, they can get up and, you know, sip their coffee in the morning and they're just sitting there burning fat, you know. But when you're not, you really, um, you feel like you need to get up and eat. And I think that a lot of what we hear about needing to eat breakfast first thing in the morning um, comes from, you know, a lot of nutritionists and dietitians that are just kind of trying to get ahead of this problem, like that I, that I was having, you know, that, you know, if you get up and you, you don't eat, um, and you start feeling bad, then, and you're hangry, then what do you tend to do when you do that? You tend to just grab for the easiest first thing to shove in your mouth, which is not typically the healthiest choice, right? And so I think what part of what is trying to be accomplished, um, through this is, you know, to get somebody to get up, eat something, you know, stabilize their blood sugar, get some energy into their bodies. Um, and so they have some fuel to use and not, you know, not wait too long until they're hangry. And then, you know, they're eating something terrible. And so when you eat, when you think of the context of, um, these, the studies that are done and these recommendations, and we think of people who might be eating a standard American diet who are not metabolically flexible. Um, and you know, and we're hearing that people who eat breakfast, um, have a better chance of losing weight. Well, it's, it's all of this context together because yeah, I mean, if you, if you can't burn fat efficiently and you're a sugar burner, then you better get up and eat something um, you have a better chance of not gaining a bunch of weight if you eat something in the morning and don't wait until you're in a just complete moment of crisis and having to rely on the vending machine. You get where I'm coming from? Um, so, you know, a lot of those recommendations, I think, are coming from a, a, an in, a place of good intention, you know, and trying to help people um, to cut that off before it gets to a bad place. And a lot of the um, studies that are done are, you know, done on people that um, may not have the healthiest, um, best diet that promotes metabolic flexibility. Okay. Um, and so that's one thing uh, about the recommendations and the studies that you might um, read about it. But I, I also want you to know that a lot of the studies that are done pushing the importance of breakfast and eating first thing when you get up are you know, funded by companies with a stake in the game, you know, because guess who would love for you to believe that you've got to eat breakfast like the second you roll out of bed? Companies like Kellogg's and McDonald's, okay? And they would also love to remind you how busy you are and how easy it is to grab a box from your pantry or drive through on the way to work. So we do have to take those studies um, with a grain of salt, all right? On a little side note, um, this fascinated me when I found it out, but found this out. But did you know, I doubt you know this, that <laughs> one of the reasons John Harvey Kellogg, who, you know, started Kellogg Company, um, he originally invented cornflakes. That was one of the first, you know, process type foods that he um, invented. But he made that um, part of the um, intention of making that 
was to lower the sexual desire in people. Uh-huh. Yes, he believed that bland foods would be less, quote unquote, stimulating. So cornflakes were um, part of the reason he made them. They were meant to be an anaphrodisic. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but an anaphrodisic food, like the opposite of an aphrodisiac food, <laughs> you know, um, he thought um, he was actually quite an interesting guy and pioneer in health. And a lot of the things that he, um, you know, believed and worked for, I, I agree with, you know, he was really into the gut, um, you know, way, way back when, you know, now we're really discovering so much about the gut, but he um, was interested in the gut and gut health way back then. Interesting, but this um, this piece of it was really fueled by his religious beliefs, and he felt like um, stimulating foods like meat and spices would lead to unbecoming behavior. <laughs> so, um, so he was trying to keep things bland over there. You know, what's kind of interesting about that is that now we know that an excess of carbohydrates, which is, you know, in sugar, which is all corn, cornflakes are, you know, carbohydrates and sugar, um, can negatively affect your libido. So when we get too many carbohydrates in our diet, too much sugar, it really throws your hormones out of whack, really can um, mess up your libido. So Kellogg was onto something there, you know? You might want to think of that, ladies, before you grab your next box of cereal. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I just had to give you that sidebar because I thought it was so fascinating. But as far as the studies go, like I said, we have to take them with a grain of salt. Um, some are legit, some are total propaganda, and some just need more context. But that's why there are so many conflicting viewpoints and studies out there and why you can, you know, hear about one study that says that breakfast is the most important meal of the day and then um, and that you have to eat right when you get up and then another study that says that intermittent fasting is awesome for you, you know? So I, I know it's so frustrating and it's so maddening and it's what led to this conversation um, with this guy in the airport. Um, but it's, you know, why when we're talking about these studies, you always have to consider who funded it, you know, who the people um, participated in the study and just the context all around it, okay? So um, another thing about this, the breakfasting and the intermittent fasting, um, one common misbelief I think that's out there is that you can't break your fast until midday. So it's really popular. There's, you know, a lot of people do a 16-hour fast um, and break their fast at noon, okay? But that's not a set rule at all. You can choose whatever fasting window you like. I usually break my fast at about 9 a.m. Sometimes I go longer, but usually my more consistent time is to eat at 9. So I prefer an early dinner and an early breakfast, and some people prefer a later dinner and a later breakfast time. Um, and either way is fine. You know, you can choose what works for you, and, um, and also, um, you know, your fasting window doesn't have to be 16 hours either um, because, you know, you, you can choose that as well. I don't fast 16 hours every day. Um, I range anywhere from 12 to 16. I usually average about 14, you know, most times. Sometimes I go 16, you know, on the weekends it might be 12. So really you have to make it work um, for what is, um, you know, your lifestyle, what works in your life. 
Um, and then I think that what's more important to consider or, what, or another major piece of this is what you break your fast with. So what food are you going to make your first meal of the day? All right. What we want to do is choose foods that set the tone for stable energy, mood, and appetite throughout your day. And whatever you eat for that first meal um, really influences this. And it is, a, you know, again, I think it's another reason that um, nutritionists and, and dietitians who um, give this advice of eating first, you know, first, right when you wake up, eat your meal, first meal of the day, is because they are trying to get ahead of setting that tone um, and in setting the tone, the mood, the energy levels for the rest of the day. The best way to to really create this these even energy levels and mood and regulate your um, your appetite is to get protein and fat at breakfast. All right, carbs are fine too, um, but just remember that too many carbs without the balance of protein and fat will crash your energy tank sooner. Okay, so the mo more carbs you eat, the more your body relies on burning carbs for energy. It doesn't need to tap into the fat for fuel if you're constantly giving it carbs to burn. You're essentially teaching your body to be a sugar burner. And in order to be metabolically flexible, you have to allow your body that opportunity to use fat for energy, okay? We do this, you know, partially by fasting, you know, like we've been talking about, but also by keeping carbs at a reasonable level, you know, staying relatively low carb most days and then um, eating enough protein and fat. So all of this is exactly what I teach in Feast to Fast, okay? Our number one metabolic goal in Feast to Fast is to train the body to be metabolically flexible. That's our number one physical goal, okay, our health goal. Um, we got the whole spiritual side working in Feast to Fast too. But what we're, when I say that Feast to Fast is a metabolic makeover, that's what I'm talking about, okay? We're training the body to be metabolically flexible, to easily burn both um, sugar and fat for fuel. Now, another tip I give my Feast to Fasters is that if you break your fast with primarily fat and protein, say something like eggs and avocado, you're helping your body, um, you're helping to train your body to be a fat burner. So think of it this way, okay, when you wake up in the morning and you've been fasting all night, right, and your body has switched over into fat burning mode because you're metabolically flexible, so um, you might be sipping your coffee, you're burning some fat, um, it's run through all of its sugar, you know, um, but when you break your fast, Okay, when you enter, when you break your fast, when you, if you introduce carbohydrates at your first meal of the day, your body's going to switch over into sugar burning mode. Okay, um, whereas if you eat a breakfast primarily of protein and fat, your body is going to remain in a fat burning mode. Okay, it's not going to be burning your stored fat anymore like it was, you know, it's not relying on your stored energy. But what you're doing, it's going, what happens is when you introduce any kind of food into your body, your body uses that as energy first, right? It's going to use that and then it's going to store what it doesn't use. And so if you have been fasting all night, you have run through most of your carbohydrate stores or are burning some fat 
And if you eat carbohydrates, your body turns into sugar burning, switches into sugar burning mode. Okay. And if you eat fat and protein, your body is still in that fat burning mode. Okay. So it's just a, it's a way to help train your body to utilize fat for energy. Now that doesn't mean that I don't ever eat carbohydrates for breakfast. Okay. Cause sometimes I do, you know, sometimes I eat more of a fat burning mode type breakfast. And you know, that might be like eggs and avocado or bacon. I'll throw some greens in there sometime. Like I love some spinach um, or some kale, some leafy greens. That's not a significant enough amount of carbs to switch you over into sugar burning mode. Um, but sometimes I like like a sweet potato for breakfast and that definitely will pop you into a sugar burning mode. Um, sometimes I like banana pancakes and that will definitely pop you over into a sugar burning mode. Um, so, and that's fine, you know, but it's just kind of one of those little um, strategies that we use that while you're training your body to be metabolically flexible, if you'll make that first meal of the day more fat and protein centered, um, then it really helps your body um, to recognize how to do that. The other, the other big thing um, that I want to say about what you eat for breakfast is that it doesn't have to look like a traditional breakfast. Okay, we, you know, typically associate certain foods with breakfast, um, whether it's healthy, you know, something healthy like eggs or something less healthy like cereal. Um, but breakfast can be soup. Breakfast can be leftover meatloaf. Breakfast can be roasted vegetables and chicken. I tell my Feast of Fasters that there, there are no breakfast police that are going to come knocking on your door because, you know, you're eating roasted vegetables and, you know, you're eating your dinner leftovers for breakfast. You know, that is totally, it is totally okay. Nobody is going to arrest you for that. You know, what we have come to know as breakfast foods are really courtesy of those manufacturing companies in the fast food restaurants, like I was, you know, saying, like Kellogg's, like, you know, Carnation and Dunkin' Donuts. And, you know, that is, they really um, narrowed our minds as to what breakfast is. But historically, there wasn't such a delineation, you know, or choice among the meals. We are so spoiled by food abundance, which is just a really beautiful blessing. Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a blurse. My friend says, you know, there's this thing. It's like kind of a cross between a blessing and a curse. It's a blurse. And, you know, we are blessed with food abundance, but sometimes I think, you know, it just too much is what's throwing us off track here. But we forget that our Bible brothers and sisters didn't, you know, they didn't have grocery stores and refrigerators and their choices were more narrow and they didn't have the options we had. They, they didn't have as much food as we had. So, their breakfast would have just been, you know, kind of whatever, whatever they were eating normally that was available to them. Um, in one of the Bible stories, Jesus and his disciples had fish and bread for breakfast. Okay, so there you go. Um, I love that story, by the way. It's the story where Jesus um, shows himself to the disciples after the resurrection, and it's when the disciples are out there, they're fishing, and um you know, and Peter sees some guy on the shore, they're not catching fish. And some dude from the shore is like, Hey, you know, lower your net over there. And they're like, okay, whatever. And so they do and they, 
you know, they catch a bunch of fish and Peter's like, you know, he kind of does a double take and he's like, Lord, and he just jumps off the boat into the water. And it completely, when I think of that story, I think of Forrest Gump. Do you remember when Forrest Gump finds out his mom dies and he just like jumps off the boat and just like swims, he's like fully clothed and he swims towards the shore. So that's what I think about, <laughs> I think about Peter just like, Lord, and he just jumps off the boat. He's so happy and he just, you know, is swimming to shore to see him. But anyway, um, they did, they had grilled fish and bread for breakfast. So maybe, uh, maybe you want to try that. If it's good enough for Jesus, you know, I'm sure it's good enough for you and for me. Um, but you know, when it comes down to this whole skipping breakfast, breakfast is the most important meal of the day to, you know, debate. Um, I just, what I really want to bring it down here, um, for you is that we are designed to be metabolically flexible. Okay. And when we are, we use energy really efficiently. And so it's not necessary to roll over and shove food in your mouth. Like I really felt like I had to do um, back in the day. Um, again, historically, there wasn't always food available. There weren't refrigerators and pantries the size of a closet that you could, you know, grab your box of instant oatmeal out of. I mean, there would have been a lot less opportunity for instant, you know, for um, historical people. Um, it would have taken a little bit to, you know, fry up the fish and, and the bread and, and so um, just remember, just kind of, you know, put on your thinking cap a little bit and think about all of the people in the world who've, you know, all of these years and historically speaking that did not have food even available to them first thing, you know, in the morning or maybe for days. And so that is the reason God designed our bodies to be metabolically flexible. You know, it's our protection it is um, designed for us to be able to sustain ourselves when there is not food present, whether that is for, you know, four or five hours, for 12 to 16 hours, or maybe even two to three days, if that was the situation, you know, historically, by choice, you know, by fasting choice, or just because there was no food. Um, and so that's really what I want to leave you with today. And I hope that that gives you a little understanding. Um, this is kind of what I told my airport guy. So <laughs> hopefully um, this, um, you know, helps calm, calm your fears if you have any about breakfast being the most important meal of the day and such. Um, and, you know, we are about to kick off uh, Feast of Fast like this week, like tomorrow or today when this podcast comes out. So um, jump in with us, jump in right now, or if you already missed it, join us on the next round. I would absolutely love to have you teaching metabolic, metabolic flexibility, I think is so important and sharing with you um, just the, the amazing miracle of our body and how God designed us and um, you know how we just can be so grateful for this, uh, the miracle, the miracle of our body and be in just be thankful for um, what we have and that we have this ability um, to um, to be metabolically flexible and to be able to use energy efficiently um, so that we feel good. You know, we feel good when we are metabolically flexible. We do have that stable energy, stable moods, and um, it is everything about how we show up for our people, 
you know, I can promise you I am a lot nicer to my people, these people that live in my house with me, <laughs> or people that I work with, or people at my church, or people in my community, or whoever it is. I feel better. I'm more confident when, um, you know, when I am eating well, when I'm honoring my body in the way that God designed it to work. And so, it's just everything that I love to teach. Um, but anyway, thanks for spending this time with me. I absolutely love it. Um, I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.